Hello and welcome to the Hippocampus podcast, a place where we discuss the strategies that help optimise learning. So join us for some grassroots conversations where we share some practical tips and insights that might just make your learning journey a little easier. So we are really excited to welcome welcome back Ria Sony as a guest to the show. Ria joined us on episode 10 talking about approaches to learning pharmacology in the preclinical and clinical environment. So if you haven't had a listen to that yet, then it's well worth going back to. So she's come back to join us on this episode as her route into medicine, um, like many, was perhaps not quite straightforward. Uh, she came into medicine having trained and worked as a pharmacist and is now a third year medical student. And uh, the hosts that, that, are, that are joining today, Sophie, Elliot and Nikita, have also had quite varied routes into medicine uh, and, and some actually came in as, as graduates. So we thought it would be a great opportunity to share some of these journeys, uh, to provide some reassurance to those who maybe didn't secure a medical position this year for whatever reason, uh, and that there are alternative routes. And it's also an opportunity to discuss the, the kind of graduate entry experiences uh, of studying medicine as well. So uh, welcome everybody. Hello. Hi. Hi guys. How is everybody? How, uh, how is uh, settling into clinical placements going? Good. It's good. It's exciting. Exciting times. Just easing my way in. But, but yeah, looking forward to what comes up next. So It's kind of a lot, isn't it? After uh, five months of yeah. a lot of pyjama wearing. <laughs> That's so true. All those scrubs are a bit like pyjamas, so it's okay. So true. <laughs> Let's kind of open things up then. We've all got varied journeys in, into, into medicine thinking then kind of from the perspective of someone who's maybe applied for medicine this time or, or is going to be applying for medicine I suppose one of the, the first things that might uh, prevent sort of successful application initially is, is getting the predicted A-level grades necessary to you know to meet the academic requirements of a particular course so perhaps going to you first Elliot because this this kind of mirrors perhaps your own personal experiences yeah I, I, I couldn't get the uh, predicted grades at the end of year tw- uh, well end of year 12 start of year 13 it would be bad mock performances and ultimately I, was, I wasn't prepared to move forward uh, so that was a, a stumbling block straight away yeah it was a quite a bit of a frustrating time there's there's always there's always a way through it were you always sort of intending on wanting to apply to medicine yeah, so it was it was always um, uh, from maybe 15, 16, it was always the plan. But as any 15, 16 year old, probably, you know, there's always doubt. And especially when um, uh, you can't get the predictions, you're thinking, oh, am I, am I good enough? Uh, I got, you know, I did work experience, really enjoyed it, uh, volunteered, really enjoyed it. So there was no, nothing stopping me until that point, until uh, I couldn't get the, the predicted grades. Mm-hmm. Um was that so, unexpected? Yeah. Uh, it was a bit unexpe- unexpected because it was a bit frustrating for me because I've, I've, I've got everything, you know, pushing forward. And it felt like it was kind of someone else saying no, like mm-hmm. not on merit. Well, that judge merit, uh, you could say. But that when you're 15, 16, 17, everything you do is just like kind of like pushing to one towards one goal. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So... For, for the others then, it was, it was a little bit different in that you did get predicted grades. 
you were sort of all lined up to obviously begin your applications and then it was more of a, an issue with that that you weren't successful with with those applications so perhaps maybe um going to to yourself Ria first what what kind of happened for, for, for you in that respect um so again it was always just medicine at the forefront um I was really inspired um by my granddad who was a, a GP himself and I just I was that that seemed like the right career choice for me at the time and everything was geared towards medicine and um, I had a few setbacks um, one after another so first of all I didn't get any offers and I didn't get my backup offer either so I was kind of left in a position where I didn't really know what was going to happen after I got my grades and then unfortunately for me as well um, my granddad actually passed away so um, that was just a few weeks before my A-levels so I had I was juggling all of these different emotions and I think when you're younger as well, I feel like you take these setbacks a lot more. Uh, they, they affect you a lot more, I guess. And, you know, you kind of feel like it's the end of the world, even though you're, you're at such a young age. Results day came as well. And I'd missed my grade by one UMS. Um, so it was it was kind of, it sounds quite dramatic, but it was really soul crushing. And then I remember I went through clearing because I just kind of felt, okay, I need to start fresh. I don't have a backup. I don't have any offers. And I was thinking about um, resetting my A-levels, but I was just a bit cautious going down that route because I know some med schools don't always favour that. Um, some some do, some don't favour that. So I think it's important to see what med schools do look into that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I went through clearing and I took pharmacy. I was a bit, I, I kind of didn't have any courage in myself at that point to go towards medicine or anything medicine related. I just said, okay, let me just try a whole new career path. And I went through pharmacy. Okay. Um, but then, you know, at one point, I remember it clicked with me. I said to me at that point, I, I, when I was just thinking about where I would end up in the future, I could still see medicine. And then, and I just thought to myself, you know, if that's what you still, if that's still what you want to do after four years of pharmacy and a year of pre-reg training, then that's the path that you need to go down. Otherwise you're just going to kick yourself about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had quite a complex journey, but I'm yeah. here now. Yeah. Um, so, so what about, about yourself then, Sophie? Sort of similarish initially with, with, with not finding yourself with any offers, but perhaps a slightly different trajectory? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I was the same. I got no medicine offers, no interviews, anything like that. Um, but I'd always had this other degree as my backup option. Um, my degrees in clinical sciences. And I'd put that as my backup because they had a transfer scheme with uh, a nearby medical school. That's honestly the only reason I chose it. I'm not sure if that was sensible, but it was a good degree and it did give me a good foundation for when I did eventually get in. But um, I had two opportunities to transfer uh, in that. And unfortunately I was unsuccessful both times. So I just decided, right, I've already done two years. There's only two years left. I'm just going to carry on, finish the degree and then see how I feel. So was it was it four years? Sorry, your your um, yeah, yeah. So it, I had a foundation year at the start. Yeah. Um, so it was four years in total. And then by the end of, I kind of became a bit disillusioned with the idea of applying um, to medicine. Um, I, I just kind of felt like I'd been told no so many times. Maybe maybe I should just give up on it. Um, so took a bit of a break. Got a job completely unrelated was a manager of a trampoline park so completely wow <laughs> um, did you get free use of the trampolines as uh, yes. being the manager <laughs> top perk and um <laughs> yeah so completely different and that was a nice break but after a year I was like no 
I need to do medicine. I, I'm going to kick myself, like Ria said, if I don't try it at least one more time. So I said, this is it, your final chance, apply once more. And luckily I got in. Yeah. Yeah. So just talking, going back to you, you were on the, the a clinical sciences degree. Mm-hmm. Were there quite a few others on your course that were in a similar position that were wanting to at some point manage to transfer over to a medical degree? Yeah, so there were 120 people in my year, and I'm pretty sure every single one wanted to transfer. Really? Did, so, did any change their opinion of, of that? Kind of having done four years of obviously a subject that's that's very closely related to, to how you'd study medicine, pre- presumably. Did any kind of realise after doing that, perhaps medicine wasn't, wasn't going to be for them? Yeah, a few did. Um, I would say maybe 50% ended up going on to do medicine uh, or maybe something like physician associate. But yeah, people did change their mind. And I think it actually gave them a good opportunity to get some headspace and to have some real experience like on wards um, Mm -hmm. and to kind of understand what the curriculum for medicine would be like and the workload. And um, yeah, some of them did decide to go in a completely different route. Um, Yeah. Excellent. So Nikita then, similar-ish, but you, you went into a, a different uh, degree degree programme. Yeah, yeah. My journey pretty much is the same as Sophie's. Um, but I think the only difference probably is in, in terms of the initial part of the journey is I actually didn't want to do medicine until A-levels, uh, when you actually have to decide what you want to do. Um, at that point, I was like, okay, no, what do I want to do? And then I was like, oh, it ticks all the boxes. And because I also come from a family where everyone's a doctor so in some branch of medicine. And that, I'll be honest, that hugely influenced me as well, knowing that I want to go back to home, back home to people who know what I'm talking about. So yeah, so that's pretty much the only difference. But otherwise, yeah, I tried for the transfer. Um, I actually had a backup in place, um, one of these unis, uh, if I didn't get into medicine. And then my mum actually found Leicester, and the transfer option, which wasn't offered at the backup. And so we just made some last minute calls and managed to get on, onto, onto this degree. And then, yeah, tried for the transfer, missed, missed that by a margin. Um, and then, yeah, just thought. So your um, degree was uh, biological sciences? Biological sciences, yeah. So it wasn't even biomedical. So in Leicester, they actually don't call it biomedical. They call it medical something like medical physiology or medical biochemistry. Um, and I wanted to change to medical. So I didn't even realize there was a medical stream. Um, and then I couldn't do that. So I just tried to pick modules that were as medical as possible. If you like, like cancer or that, you know, cardiovascular towards third year when that became an option. Um, and then, yeah, it was pretty much just focusing on getting the right mark to get into medicine with the three years of the degree. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. And you, and I think Sophie, um, you perhaps mentioned this as well, that during doing the degree, you applied to transfer early on in the course but were unsuccessful at that point mm-hmm. I think Sophie you said you know that was kind of part and parcel of almost kind of feeling like you're you're going to give up mm. um, I think yeah it's tough to be told no so many times and you kind of start to believe it they're like no you're not good enough to get in and you start you do start to believe that I think that's it's, it's hard to be rejected over and over I'm sure the others mm. will agree Mm. Yeah, I feel like with um, the thing is that, I mean, uh, with with you, Sophie, did you want medicine for a while? As in, like, was it something right from the beginning? Did you say? Literally since I was about five. Oh, wow. <laughs> OK, which which is probably why I wasn't so disheartened mm-hmm. when getting rejected, 
So when it didn't happen in at school level, I was like, okay, we'll do something else. Then yeah. at the transfer, I was like, okay, well, let's let's try it till the end. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, if it then doesn't happen, then I'm just going to be like, because <laughs> uh, yeah, so I didn't want it for a long time. That's probably why I didn't think about getting rejected so much. It was more just, oh, I'll just have a couple goes at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm kind of glad in that way because that would have affected my performance if I thought yeah. about the idea of getting rejected and stuff like that. You can um, be more pragmatic, can't you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it also just depends on how long you've wanted it for and stuff like that, so, mm-hmm. so yeah. Because like in my careers lessons at school, I just didn't pay any attention. And I was like, well, I'm going to be a doctor, aren't I? Oh, wow. Why are you offering me all these other choices? <laughs> and I'm going to do, do that. Did you guys have to do one of those careers questionnaires? Yeah. yeah. I was going to be a fish farmer. Like, <laughs> where's that? <laughs> I don't oh, even like fish. I don't eat ones. fish. <laughs> it's always it an odd career off-topic. choice that comes up. <laughs> this is a bit off topic, but um, I remember I, I just never, it's really bad, but I just never really listened to the, the careers lady at school or anything because mm-hmm. I remember my sister, she was told bluntly, I mean, she wasn't the best behaved child at school. Um, <laughs> and she was told bluntly, you're not going to be a vet. So just, and they told my parents, just, you know, there's no point going to something else. And the day that my sister became a vet, the first thing she said was, I've proved her wrong because yeah. you know when someone just tells you, no and even my parents were just shocked like how can someone just say you know no and I remember the first thing they said when they go home is no you're going to be a vet that's what you want to do you're going to achieve it and that was the first thing that came into her head on her graduation day so I've never really paid attention to anyone telling me you know you can't do that because at the end of the day it's all down to you as cliche as it sounds because it is I guess in all of our positions we were told no first but we got there in the end I guess so yeah Yeah. The encouragement really, really helps, but this is also a bit off topic, but I, even predictions are scary. I think I was telling you guys about uh, relatives and predictions. We're talking about astrology and all these things. And I remember at the beginning how I used to say, no, 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 medicine is just not on my mind at all. And then my grandma, who does like future telling, she was like, no, I can only see Dr. Fur. No, I can only see Dr. Fur. And I was like, how is that possible? She knew, man, she knew. <laughs> she just knew, but I don't know. It just worked it's, out in the end, so. <laughs> predictions are scary though, like as in predicted grades, because yeah. I, I was in a similar situation to you, Elliot, where they would, my teachers were like, there was, there was one teacher for one of my topics. It was like, I'm not, I'm not predicting you an A, like nothing you've done so far would suggest you're going to get an A. And I was like, please, I, I can't even apply if I don't get an A prediction. Just give me the benefit of the doubt. And they did, because I begged them. Got an A star, didn't I? Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> it's mad, though, that they can predict something. Not They haven't really got any clue how you're going to perform when it comes down Today, to on the day. Yeah. yeah, and even at school, that's so good that you said that, Sophie, because even I remember with um, at school, actually, I uh, didn't do A2 biology, because of the fact that my teacher in biology wasn't very encouraging. Um, she could just kind of said, you're going to stay at where you are in this subject. And I was a bit like, I don't think I want to hear that. I want to like improve. So, and I just left it because I knew that medicine, you don't need biology for everywhere. It does narrow your options down severely, but I just couldn't take the chance because I didn't have an encouraging teacher. So, yeah. Do you think sometimes though, when, when people make comments like that, I'm not obviously condoning that, that would be the, the attitude today. But when, when someone says that to you, that you almost put in more effort than you perhaps would have done had they not said that just to prove them wrong. Um, and that, you know, you then kind of exceed all expectations because the nature of someone saying, 
oh, I don't think you can do this. She's like, <laughs> no, right. Whereas if they said, oh, you can do this, you'd be like resting on your laurels and they're like, oh no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely hundred percent true because you know, in my last year of school, I felt like I had one focus and that was just to get the grades I needed. Whereas lots of my friends were worrying about meeting offers and uh, where sorting out unis, which where they were going to do go to back up if they had interviews the same year. I just felt like I had, you know, I had one, one goal and that was just to, to get good grades. And um, yeah, I could focus on whatever happened. I would take it from there. And then also proving people wrong is a, a nice bit of motivation always yeah it's a, it's a fine balance though isn't it between sort of picking yourself up brushing yourself down thinking you know what, i'm going to prove you wrong versus being battered down by the the thought that people don't have you know that those kind of, of higher expectations of you and i think you know i'd say for a lot for a lot of our listeners that are perhaps in in that position now is that you know, it is it is tough, but it is a case, isn't it, of picking yourself up and thinking, you know what, I I I really want this, and I'm going to find a way of of of, of getting in. Um, it perhaps might not be in my original plan, but that's fine. There are so many other other routes in, um, as, as you you know, all four of you have, have described. You reminded me. I I remember in you know application time as well. It's not in now nowadays. It's not as simple as just meeting the minimum requirements. So I also had that kind of illusion in my head that if I just meet the requirements, I'll get in. Um, it's a, it's very competitive now and you kind of just need to bring it up a notch if you like, because it's different to when say my brother applied, when you've got the requirements, you'll get in. Um, and that's the kind of illusion I had in my head. Oh, it's the same now, but I just didn't do enough research into it. There wasn't anything strategic with the way I applied. That's also another important factor for people to consider now that you have to be very strategic. Also, another thing that I was made me doubt myself after after finishing school was I, I was thinking, Oh, everyone in medicine will have been there so easy. They'll have three A stars. They live ace dollar interviews. They'll have multiple offers. I was thinking, you know, I, I'm just going to be there struggling in when looking back now, a huge proportion of medicine cohorts or are the, the percentage that will be straight from school with multiple offers found it easy is tiny. Yeah. I, I, uh, I would advise, People who are coming from school, you know, not everyone's three A star, four A star student flying in. I think that's that's true. Certainly, uh, certainly from from sort of graduates coming into medicine now. I know there are specific graduate entry courses, but also, you know, you you sort of traditional, I suppose, normally undergraduate medical courses. Are, you know, up to a third are, are you know people coming in with with you know previous you know, like yourself, Ria, having worked as a pharmacist and, and like yourself, Nikita and, and Sophie having a prior degree and, and coming in as a, as a graduate. So just, just going back to yourself then, Ria. Um, so obviously your, your trajectory was slightly different to, to from Sophie and Nikita in, in that you sort of felt yourself almost kind of having to consider an entire kind of different career path um, and the kind of emotions and, and, and things that you're going through at that, that time. So you, you, you finished your pharmacy degree and you, you became a pharmacist. Yeah. At what point were you then kind of formulating your, your plan to, to apply again to medicine? It sounds strange, but it was actually from first year of pharmacy. I think everyone in that cohort knew that, oh, she wants to do medicine. Even my lecturers knew that, okay, she wants to do medicine. And I think it was, I think listening to Sophie, Nikita and Elliot's stories, I kind of wish that I told myself on results day that, 
you know, this is not the end of your journey. And I think that's why I kind of went into pharmacy because I didn't have the courage to maybe go into a degree that would maybe be like how Sophie and Akita thought about degrees that might help you then transfer into medicine after first year. And I just, I think, like I said, the emotions got the best of me. And I just said, no, you know, if they're, you know, I've tried so hard and I still haven't got in and I just thought, okay, I'm doing pharmacy. But then something clicked in the first semester where it kind of felt strange where I was sitting in the pharmacy lecture and I was like, oh, but I don't belong here. I belong in medicine because that's what I actually want. And I think it's so true that you, you know, if you're going, if you're doing something, but in the back of your mind, there's something else that, you know, you truly want to do. You're never going to enjoy, I was never going to enjoy pharmacy because medicine was always in the back of my mind and I was never going to, you know, whereas there are other people on my pharmacy course who that was what they went to from the beginning until they excelled, you know, and I think when you're doing something that you truly are passionate about, you are going to excel in it. And I've seen that when I came onto the medicine course, when I started, there was a complete different attitude from my part of the way I wanted to study what I was, I was actually interested in my lectures, um, you know, and everything to do with medicine um, so it was actually first semester. And then I remember I came home to my parents and they were like, you know, you can still do it, right? It's not the end. You can still, you know, you can still like finish your degree and you can still do it. And again, there was that, again, there was a bit of doubt. Well, no, I'm going to be like, you know, 28 when I graduate. And they were like, so everyone's got a different path. Everyone, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you're, what age you are when you become a doctor, you're still going to be a doctor. And I think after that, that was just kind of the aim from the beginning from, pharmacy to pre-reg to then training training as a pharmacist becoming a pharmacist it was like I'm still going to apply to medicine so I did wish it clicked to me when I got the results and results day but that's not always going to happen because results day is full of emotions and you're not always going to get what you thought you were going to get um but yeah looking back for anyone that doesn't get the results that they they didn't expect to get I think always remember that you know if you still want to do something you're still going to be able to achieve it and um, whether that's not the conventional pathway whether that's a different pathway you'll still get to that end goal yeah, I think uh, Ria picked up on a good point about age. You know, it's all relative and, you know, everyone's coming from different angles and in different races, so to speak. Like, you know, in other countries, people don't apply for med school till mid-20s. So just because the, the well, it's not even really the norm, but just because, you know, a lot of people start med school at 18 doesn't mean that's the right thing. I remember being on some work experience that I'd organised like during my degree and there was a junior doctor there and he was like 40 and I was like what that's a thing I just didn't think that people would train that late but he'd decided he didn't want to do what he was doing anymore I can't remember what it was and he retrained and I was like oh okay it's not going to be that bad yeah you touched on it but I saw a quote the other day and I shared it with these guys um you're going to be 30 anyway so why not be a doctor and 30 so, like <laughs> I loved that it's so true though in, in careers in general like it's I think in decades before you know probably my parents sort of generation is that you know you you kind of entered into a career at a young age and that was you for the rest of your working life but it is so not the case anymore now you know I, I you know I, I trained as a clinical doctor but I've had I've had three main different careers you know and I'm, I'm not I'm not 40 yet you know and it's it's that that's kind of okay you know i i've found where i want to where my happiness is and where my career Far more is. interesting story isn't it yeah, uh, and, journey, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. and i'm much better for having kind of taken a bit of a a, a windy route i think it's it's challenging this idea that the age of 18 after finishing your a levels you're going to go into the, the the career that's going to be you for the rest of your life you know that that isn't necessarily how how the world works anymore <laughs> 
But yeah, on the, you know, on the flip side of that, though, guys, I feel like it's it's kind of a frame of mind that I struggle to change still. I still struggle with it, the whole age thing, because uh, I think about it in terms of how when I choose my specialty, I don't want to do something that's long just because I know I've already delayed it by three years. That's still in my thought process. I think keep thinking, oh, GP, GP maybe, because that's shorter. So it's still there in my head. I know that's not a good way of thinking, but it's just hard to kind of change. When you're younger, you have this path in your head that, okay, by 23, I'm going to get a degree. By 25, I'm going to ha- get married. By 30, I'm going to have kids. And it never works out like that. Any, you know, and I think, one thing that I've struggled with is a lot of my friends are, so I'm 25, a lot of my friends are 25. And actually some of my friends are at that stage where they're like, oh, I'm going to get married or, you know, I'm, th- I'm at this stage of my career. And I come home sometimes and I'm talking to my parents and I think, oh, it's just, you, like, I think there was one episode you guys at the beginning that really comparing. And I compare with my friends all the time thinking I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting from the beginning. But actually that, that doesn't matter because we all have completely different paths and we're all destined for different things. Actually, I had a really good uh, meeting once with my personal tutor, just touching on what you were saying, Nikki, about, you know, like training pathways and past graduation. And I remember he was, he was like, what, what sort of specialities are you thinking about? And I was like, oh, I really want to do peds or emergency. But realistically, I mean, I want to have kids and stuff. I'm going to be almost 30 when I graduate maybe I should do GP and he went yeah. stop that right now oh it's gosh. like <laughs> don't think that way you just gotta get on with it and do what you want to do and yeah. I was thinking yeah actually why was I thinking of compromising on a speciality I might not be as interested in when yeah. I, I've got this far I finally got onto doing the thing I want to do why not do the speciality I want to do as well yeah um, that's, but it, that's really good you had that conversation with with your tutor because it's just like you need you need the push isn't it from somebody but and then also going back to what you know Ria was saying as well what beats like tops everything is the fact that I know that my brain works on this kind of a timeline I knew I knew when I got in that actually if I applied when I was 18 I wouldn't have been able to cope because you just Mm. you just have so much to process and I'm I'm someone who doesn't like to do things where I'm half in the known, half in the unknown. Yeah. And I feel like I would have felt that when I was 18. But now it's just like with, with the whole semester one being my degree, pretty much. That just made the whole process so much easier for me coming in. And I had so much energy to just prepare for clinical, you know, mentally and stuff like that. So I feel like what Ria was saying, it's just, it feels so right to do it this way. And you sometimes compared, like, say I have friends who are 20 and they're like nailing it and I'm still struggling. And I'm like, but you know what? It's each brain is different, man. You have to just, you'll feel that when you're 30, when you're 40, <laughs> yeah. uh, you always feel like, when am I going to grow up? When am I going to be an adult? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know what though, as well? Like, I know we've spoken a lot about kind of like doing a degree and things like that, but I like really admire your approach, Elliot, of like not thinking oh, I'm going to apply to a backup or I'm going to do a different, thing and then see where that takes me like I think it takes a lot of courage to have a gap year and I I definitely didn't have that courage at the age of 18 people were saying to me why don't you take a year out and I was like that scares me I don't know what I would do for a year or the idea of going abroad on my own at the age of 18 or whatever so I think yeah if you don't get any offers or you don't get the results that you want take a step back and just think am I rushing into a degree that I might not necessarily be interested in for the sake of it what am I going to gain from it? Could I take a route like Elliot's and take a year out, gather your wits and then try again? For, for me, looking back, it, it worked out great because I got to volunteer more, visit other universities, relax, 
travel, pursue other interests. And then in a year, I felt more than a year older in terms of like compared to a year in school, a year out of school, I felt like I grew, I, I grew up quite a bit. But I also think, you know, like, I guess when I look back at myself when I was 18, I was not as mature as you are. You know, I feel like I wasn't thinking straight. And, you know, doing the degree for me, I guess it allowed me to gain a bit of maturity. And also it helped me to actually know, know myself better. So what my likes are, what my genuine interests are. And I think, you know, when you're going into university, um, aside from academics, you know, it's quite a scary experience, you know, making friends, joining loads of, you've got all these different societies that are thrown at you. And I think the second time round, going into uni, knowing yourself better, you kind of know the kind of people that you want to kind of be around, the kind of societies that you, gen- you genuinely have an interest with. So that's what I took away from like, I guess, taking that degree and then doing a degree, I was able to know myself better and mature. So you kind of got the uni experience out of your system as well. Like, you know, you, you've done the going out, you've, you've done the joining every society under the sun and um, doing way too much of that and not enough studying. You've learned what study techniques work better for you. And then when you're, when you're going to medicine as a mature student, I do think, you know, like, I'm not going to go on every night out. I am going to stay home and study that thing that I don't quite understand. And Put your feet that... up in your slippers, wearing your slippers. Oh, uh, yes. Cup I'm of, in bed by 9 p.m. You guys know me. <laughs> 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 and you know what? You just got to milk the Euro grandma vibe. <laughs> yeah. I am. But what of it? <laughs> You know, with all of this, I feel like I'm bringing the opposite thing to everything I'm, everything you're saying here. But I was, I, I think I was the opposite. Because you know how I said for the degree, it was just, this is my way into medicine. So I spent three years just doing nothing except, you know, going to uni, coming back, going to uni, coming back. And medicine was a time when I thought, no, now I've got my career. Now I want to do my other interests as well. So all of that happened for me later. My first three that. years have just gone and I have no memory of them, which is really sad. But anyway. <laughs> no, you've got different experiences. You got what you wanted out of each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you hadn't have done that first time round in your first degree, you wouldn't have got a good result and wouldn't. That's have that's very true. So. Definitely, no. It was it was worth it in the end, and it just just also the whole uni experience, as you guys are saying, going into lectures, that kind of didn't feel like overwhelming. So yeah. so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Elliot, where, where did you go on your gap year? Um, many places. I went to Mexico. Um, I actually taught English in a school. Uh, in Mexico, which was unpl- which was not planned until around Christmas time. Yeah, just great things come out of challenging circumstances. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh well, I might ask as a side actually once once we we're done because I might have an endless list of questions of where did you go, what did you do. So I'm going to ask Ellie afterwards. <laughs> Nikki no who wants your itinerary. She, she wants to take a gap year now. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, I wish. <laughs> so we we we've, we've kind of. Obviously, you sort of described very different routes into medicine. Obviously, all, all four of you are now, uh, you know, successfully in your uh, third year of, of medical school. So you're um, sort of almost almost halfway through. Um, you obviously alluded to obviously some of the, the, the struggles of that initial not getting into medicine on first application and obviously how you dealt with that emotionally and then how that kind of triggered your, your various kind of um, trajectories from, from, from that point onwards. I think we've touched a little bit on those that, that uh, did a degree and then applied back in and, and, and that kind of position of being much older than, than perhaps some, some of your other uh, peers on the course. Picking up a, a little bit on that, because I think, you know, coming into medicine as a graduate, particularly if, you're, as I said, you're not going on to, a, you know, a, a specific graduate entry degree course, but you're going into a course where you're going to be mixing with a lot of people that are 
straight from A level and a different level of maturity, different level of, of life experience. What, how was that like, I suppose, coming in from, from that kind of perspective? It felt weird because, I, you know, it was the kind of the comparison thing that we were talking about as well. It was just this whole idea that, oh, we're all in the same batch and I'm older. So if I'm older, I should be better, if that makes sense in a way. Um, but it just doesn't work like that. I think I just, I was so fixed. I'm so fixed on this age factor that if you're older, you have to be more logical or smarter or quicker or whatever, but it just doesn't work like that. It's each brain is different. And, and like, you know, to be honest, I had no clinical, but like any exposure to clinical stuff before at all. So this was all completely new for me. Like I had the degree before, but there was no clinical element to it. Um, so it's pretty much just starting at an, you know, an older age. So I had all those thought processes when I started comparing to friends and things. And even now, like, you know, sometimes if my friends supposed to do things in clinical and I'm still, you know, what's the word, uh, a scaredy cat to, to do stuff, I still think, oh, come on, I'm 23 and they're like 20. Surely I should have more bravery or whatever. But it just doesn't work like that. Each brain is different, like Rhea said. So each path is different. I felt like I actually felt the opposite. Like by the time I got into med school, I'd had almost three years out of education and I was petrified, like that I'd forgotten how to do anything. Like, I don't know, like forgotten facts and they wouldn't be helpful anymore. What was the point of doing a degree and all these gifted and talented kids that got (laughs) three A stars or whatever, you know, it's like what Elliot was saying earlier. You've got all these expectations of what everyone's going to be like. And also I think, I'm not a naturally super confident person in myself anyway. Like I can, I can portray confidence. I can be confident with patients because I've got previous patient contact, but I'm not confident in myself and my knowledge. Whereas I think a lot of um, the younger students coming through, they've never really um, been knocked. Um, they've kind of gone through school. They've got their GCSEs and their A-levels. They've applied to medicine, assumed they were going to get in. Not saying they didn't work hard for it, but they, they have got in and they haven't had that setback. So they kind of got all this confidence and, they when they say an answer they say it with confidence whereas I'll say it as like oh I don't know 100% and I do battle with that sometimes to be honest but I think once you all mingled and you're working in your groups with people of all ages and backgrounds and that kind of fades away but so when I was going into med school I'll be completely honest I had this perception that all the 18 year olds coming in, all they're going to want to do is just party all the time. And I'm sure all the 18 year olds had perceptions of the grads, that they're just boring. And they just want to, you know, just, um, I, the thing is, when I when I came to um, med school, surprisingly, you know, I've talked to a few grads, but actually, my closest friends are undergraduates, and I currently live in a house of undergraduates. And I'm actually five years older than them. And it's, it's weird, we sit there and we're like, oh, when you were in year seven, I was in, you know, I was in year 12. And it's like, really, when you put it in that way, it's weird. But Actually, I think when you get to a, when you get to an age of 18 plus, I think a lot of like themes kind of just mold together and there's a lot of things that you can all relate to. And I don't I think going in with that perception that, you know, the younger, the younger lot are going to just want to party and the older lot are just going to be boring. I think is the wrong kind of mindset to go into, because actually you'll find a lot of things that you both can relate to with one another and you can kind of share both your experiences with one another. Elliot, having come in from having done a year out, did you again sort of thinking about students that come straight from a levels and saw that knowledge was still kind of fresh in their head yeah did you have some anxieties as well with having had a year out of education before you came came into Mm, medicine maybe a little bit because um i think my dad used to say oh you'll you'll have to you know remind yourself of like how to study and things but i didn't don't definitely didn't notice anything when i came 
personally, I wasn't that concerned because, I, you know, I thought starting afresh, it's not really same content. Everyone's going to be in the same boat learning new stuff. So I, I could see why people maybe would be, um, think it could be a concern. When, when I joined, um, started med school, I, I kind of identified more with the, the A-level students being more of a similar age. Did you have any preconceived uh, ideas about sort of graduate people that had joined the course? Uh, yes, not so much. Uh, <laughs> no, I, You're in a maybe, minority here. <laughs> be careful. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little. No, I was going to say a little boring, but no, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, because I, I was going to say after, you know, I think you completely forget who's a graduate and undergraduate after, well, definitely after a semester. Mm, because, yeah. you know, the, the experience that unites you is, is medicine, not what, what you've done before, what, where you've come from, or how old you are. And then you have other shared interests with other people, mm-hmm. which is completely independent of age. So yeah, uh, it's not really a, th- a thing that I never really, I never really considered after maybe the first week when you see the, the graduates n- sitting with each other, whatever. It's, um, <laughs> it's not really a thing. There is the grand <laughs> click, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so moving slightly on then to... What would be your biggest learning point that, that you can kind of take away from from what you've been through and, and, and kind of where you where you are now? Um, I think be patient and be persistent would be my main learning point. Like you don't have to rush through it. Although my journey has taken much longer than I originally planned, I feel like I've learned so much from my experiences in my degree and also in the world of work don't give up because you never know that that one next time that you apply could be the one that you get in and if you really want it then you'll get there i was going to say um just to not underestimate um how strong you actually are because i think when you get a setback you think oh i'm the, the easiest thing to do is just to kind of like curl up in a ball and think i'm i'm done with this i'm just gonna forget it completely but actually, when I look back, I think I'm actually such a strong person to have come through all of this. And equally, all, all, all four of us are, um, all three of us, and yourself, Lisa, as well. Um, all of us are strong um, to have come through all our different journeys um, and to be where we are today. Because um, I think at the time, I really underestimated um, the courage that was actually somewhere there. It's just at the time that was just like shielded with all of the emotions of not getting into medicine. So I think just don't forget how strong you really are. See yourself as, as an individual. I think the worst thing you do is fall into the trap of comparison, like we've discussed many times before. And I've ended up doing it so much. Even now, I sometimes do it, but it's not, it's not the right way forward. The, the challenges pay off in the, in the long run. It gives you more purpose and uh, makes you, gives you more life experience. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, success all the way through life would be boring. And I think Bill Gates said success is a, a poor teacher. Just relish all, all your I, I don't want to say failures because they're not failures they're just just different paths to take I remember one thing my mom said to me really resonated is you're going into a degree where um you know it's so competitive medicine's so competitive that even if say you get in first time um you should be prepared I'm not saying you should be prepared for different hurdles to come along the way for example you might get to the stage where you're applying for FY1 and you might not get the place at you want to apply to because it's such a competitive degree so I think it's kind of normal in fact not to get in first time nowadays because it's such a competitive degree and like that competitiveness is 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 thrashed about a lot isn't it in medicine because 
the raised stages of competitiveness that are uh, dictated by the nature of the training, you know, in terms of you've got to get the grades to get in, you've got to get the degree that allows you to transfer in, you've got to, you know, pass the exams as you go through the course. And then when you get into postgraduate training, you're effectively trying to apply for um, certain specialties that might have only a certain number of, of positions available. And I, and I think I think it's important, isn't it, to make that distinction between that kind of competitiveness that relates to almost kind of a, a standard or a level of achievement that you have to achieve to, to be successful versus that notion of competitiveness where you're comparing yourself to others, which is the unhelpful thing. I think where competition is driving you as an individual to do the best that you can do, that that's a great thing. But when you start thinking, well, you know, how do I compare to, to you know, to, to this person, that that's when it becomes, I think, a, an unhelpful use of, of competitiveness. And th- there was a comment, and I can't remember where I read it, so I should reference it. Um, but they, they said that this, this quote says that you lose competition through authenticity, so i.e. authenticity with yourself. And nobody is better at being you other than you. And, and I think that that's so true is that, you know, if you're, uh, you know, authentic to yourself and you set yourself drivers in terms of what you'd like to achieve and that's your only competition, you know, so if you, I don't know, a lot of exams, you often get given deciles, don't you? Uh, which is a way of kind of, I suppose, comparing you in terms of performance to other people in your year. So you're often given a decile between one, one and 10, one <clears throat> being you're in the top 10% and 10 being you're in sort of the, the, the sort of bottom 10% of the year in that exam. And, and I think, you know, with, with, with something like that, rather than kind of comparing yourself to, oh, I'm decile eight and that person's decile seven, it's like, I'm decile eight this time, next time I'm going to aim for decile seven. You know, so your, your competition is with yourself, not with others. Um, and I think, you know, that applies at every stage, you know, from, you know, applying to med school in the first place and, and maybe not getting the A-levels on first run or not getting an, a, 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 you know, an offer on first run is that you you compete with yourself to, to be successful next time and, and do all the things that you feel you need to do to kind of get that, get that success. Perhaps then bringing things to uh, a bit of a conclusion and, and wrapping things up, always kind of bringing a recommendation. Um, and I know, Sophie, you have uh, perhaps a recommendation to, to share with us and the, and the listeners. Yeah, so um, it's a YouTube channel um, by a lady called Dr. Sarah Nichols. And she did graduate entry medicine at Nottingham. And she just kind of shares some of her experiences. Nowadays, she does more kind of day in the life of a doctor blog type things. But if you look back, she'll talk about her experiences getting into graduate entry medicine, going in as a mature student. And then also, I think she failed one of her final exams. So it's a good one for a bit of motivation when you're trying to get through some tough hurdles. Definitely. Um, make sure we pop a, a link to that recommend, recommendation in the show notes. So that brings us nicely to the end of this episode. Just like to extend a huge thanks to Ria for, for coming back and joining us. Thank you. And sharing all of you really, you know, Sophie, Nikita, Elliot and Ria, sharing your experiences, the, the rawness of emotion that you felt when you weren't successful on the first time, first attempt and, and for, for some of you on, on subsequent attempts as well. But we hope really by kind of sharing these stories that, that this is a, a source of inspiration for 
an encouragement for, for hopefully some of our listeners and, and for those who, who may not be successful on first applying to medicine, that, uh, that that is certainly not the end of the uh, of the journey. And of course, yes, a big thank you to, to our uh, listeners. Um, do reach out to us with, with any comments or thoughts that you have on this episode or any of our other episodes and with suggestions for, for future podcast episodes. Um, remember, you can reach us either through our Instagram page at the Hippocampus podcast or our Twitter page at hippocampus underscore pod or you can uh, email us at uh, the hippocampus podcast at gmail.com so goodbye for now bye (laughs) and don't forget to to join us next week for another episode uh, which will be the 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 last uh, in our in our first series uh, as we plan to take a, a little break before working on season two or series two 